I, I know I'm wound up this morning. I've been stirred up. Hallelujah. This service stirred me up. Praise God. And I'm so excited about you that the Lord would invest so much in us right here. I don't know which circle we're in, what level of influence we're in, if we're still in the 70, you know. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. I'm at least not in the multitudes only. I'm in the 70. Or maybe we're in the, some, some sort of 12 level. Or maybe we're going to be in the three. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, they got in trouble for saying who's going to sit on the left hand and the right hand. They got in trouble for that. So we're not going there. We're just saying, Lord, I want to go as high as you have, my pl have planned for me. I want to be where I'm supposed to be and doing your will. It says in, in Hebrews 12, 2, um, well, let's look in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, circled about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. Did you see that? Patience. This thing's not a sprint. It's a marathon. The race that is set before us, and here it is. How are we going to do all that? Looking unto Jesus. I want to introduce you this morning to the standard of your life. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning who set an example in a human body for you and I. He, didn't, he wasn't on the cross as God. He, was, he, was, he threw off divinity. He threw off the, 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 the power that he could have. He felt pain just like we would. Ouch, that hurt. Well, he was, he was whipped and he, all that he endured in, in the same level of us. The amplified, uh, well, the word author there means I love this. I found this word in the dictionary. It means beginning corner. You know, I wish I'd been, I'm so glad I was raised as a Christian. But wow, if we could have been raised in a place that was, you know, that you didn't have a lot of junk thrown in, how much further along would we be? But thank God anyway. He's the beginning corner. It also means prince. The word means he's the prince and the finisher of our faith which is a word for authority or principle. But another word for that author means first estate. Just means that he's, he's the main event and everything is built around him. I want to remind you all, we're not in church that much, but it's the main event because we talk about lift up and, and stir up ourselves about the Lord Jesus. That's what we do. It's not just like, okay, I got to go to church, like you're going to go eat lunch. It's the main event of our lives. And in the Amplified says, looking away from all that will distract us to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus. He's everything. He is Lord. He is King. He is Master. He is wonderful. He is magnificent. He is marvelous. He is amazing. He's everything good. He's the answer to every situation. Well, I've got a problem. Well, the answer is Jesus. I, I want to minister to you just for a moment as we talk about the promise keeper 
Been ministering now, this is the fourth week on the promise keeper, how God is a promise keeper. Say the promise keeper. That's a bold statement because God deals with absolutes. And I tell you, as humans, as people, we tend to not like absolutes. We, in our culture, in our condition, we, we love the deal. <laughs> we love, people are always trying to work a deal to get to heaven. Well, I know the Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. But I think if I'm good enough, and if I don't do this, and if I do that, and I think, you know, always wanting a deal. Well, it's an absolute. It's Jesus or nothing. Well, I think that God makes allowances for this, and, you know, I think, nope, gotta, he's an absolute. Uh, people like compromise. They love exceptions. I know the whole world has to do it that way, but I want an exception. I know the rules say this, but I'm different, and my situation is peculiar. And we love the, the deal. We love the compromise. We love to work that out. But the problem with us and God is that he's a God that totally operates from absolutes. He says it like it is, and it is like he says, and there is no... There's no discussion. There's no addendum. There's no footnote. There's no look in the back and see if you're under the special uh, qualified ex exceptions. Period. He says it. It is. Jesus is the way. He's the only way, and he's the total way, and uh, broad is the way to destruction, and narrow is the way to life. And so we have to deal with that. There's a high cost to living by absolutes. It's really pretty easy because we can do all of it. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But on the other hand, it takes all of us to live by absolutes because we just tend to, to, to wear out like, okay, I did that, but I want to rest. I want to take off. I want to do something fun. And I've been so good so long, surely this wouldn't be wrong. That's what we say, <laughs> you know, about the temptation of the life. And it's like, you can do this. You know, we're all doing more than we ever have. We're all stronger than we've ever been. We've all put things behind us that we thought maybe never would be behind us. George Orwell said this. I want to quote it again. He says, during times of universal deceit, during times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. And I hate to say it, but we're getting kind of peculiar and specific here uh, in this doctrine in that when you preach the things that the Word says are always common and, and natural, you become what the Word says, a revolutionary act. When you say that Jesus wants to heal everybody of everything every time, that's a revolutionary statement because there's an exception to that. Bad people can't have that. It's like, really? The lost, the lawless, the rebel can get healed. Did y'all know that? Of course you did. You don't even have to be born again. You could be on your way to hell and get healed. But after you get healed, you're likely going to say, I, like this man that got the skin cancer, I'll take a little dab of that. <laughs> I'm changing my mind. And so the good news does that. Um, during times of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. I want you to turn with me a scripture in Numbers chapter 23. We've looked at it before, but I want to just 
touch this one for a moment because I'm making one point these four weeks. One point is that God keeps his promises. I said God keeps his promises. If he makes a few promises, he keeps a few promises. Um, we say this all the time that God is a better giver than we are receivers. It's not, it's not his on his side. It's not like, I don't want to give you that healing, or I don't want to bless you because I've been counting up, and you, you got 17 demerits, and, you know, 15 is all you can have and get blessed by God. You come back next week when you wore off some of those. We, we're always thinking God's not a good giver, but he's a good giver. We looked last week in Luke where it says, he's kind to the unthankful and the evil. <laughs> so what's that going to put to you and me? Born again, blood-bought children of God, if he's kind to the unthankful and the evil, we're sure going to get a piece of pie at the table. It says in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Ready? Read. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent or change. Hath he said, and shall he not do it, Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Now, that's an absolute right there. There's no shady, like, unless it's this, or except for that, or maybe we couldn't do that on Tuesdays because we've had a heavy week. He just said it, and he meant it, and it's our job to believe it. And when we got born again, the author, the beginner, the cornerstone of our faith, put it in us where we can believe. You go, that's hard to believe. No, because you, you've been programmed. You've been wired. You're compatible. You know, the gears mesh, and so what God made you and I is compatible to believe. When you were a sinner, you didn't have a single tooth that would fit into his gear, but now we are, we are well-oiled, and we are turning like a sewing machine with God. And there's just no problem in believing. You have to revert to the old man. You have to buck up. You have to rebel. You have to, you have, to have a little fit in order not to believe. Because it's easier to believe than not. But we have to set aside every weight and, you know, all that stuff that easily besets us. So uh, Titus 1-2 um, says, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And then if you believe the Bible is his word, then you have to believe that this is the truth. I'm, I'm preaching you the most important message after you get born again of anything you'll ever hear. Everything works out of this, but this is the truth. 2 Peter 1.4 in the New Living says, Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. How do we share his divine nature? The promises. And the promises cause us to escape the world's corruption. Hallelujah. We're free. Woohoo! Because we've got the promises. And we're programmed or we are engineered to believe the promises. So it's what they say, made in the shade. 
It's just so easy. You can, it's harder to walk than it is to believe the promises. And so I do. Philippians 4.19, you know what that scripture says. My God, let's say it together. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want to talk about financial promises one more week, just for a minute. Because I, I was going on, I was moving out, but it came back to me, and I knew this what we weren't through. Um, let's just talk about a truth here. All men want God to supply their need. They may say, I don't take charity. They may say, I want to be a self-made man. But everybody will take a little behind-the-scenes help from God. Everybody needs a leg up, and if God can give them one without costing too much, everybody's for that. Um, but as we all know in negotiations concerning finances, before you're going to deed over your children, their, your stuff, or before you're going to uh, uh, write a check for somebody for a car or, or a house, there's going to have to be a level of trust. You're going to have to know who's closing on this house. My cousin Lenny is going to help us on this. He's going to be real cheap, and I trust him, and I think you should too. Well, you know, we're probably not going to fall for Cousin Lenny on a $100,000 house. <laughs> you know, or, you know, I can do your taxes real cheap. Probably not. Every transaction in the financial realm is based on trust. Because our stuff represents us. So I'm not going to give you me unless I trust you to not take me. And so, uh, to the degree of trust is the degree of supply. And God works the exact same way. He's so easy. He'll give you everything he's got, but you have to trust him. He's not Lenny. He's not like Bill O'Reilly said, spiffy or speedy or one of those guys. You know, he's always talking about somebody uh, that he gets to do his stuff. And so the why do people, why do Christians have trouble with their finances and trusting God? It's because, I believe... They've got what I call an Ishmael in their pocket. When you have a plan B, you know, God, I'm believing you. God, I see your word. God, I'm trusting you. I go, Lord, I need this. I'm desperate. But we're not being honest. We have a plan B. We'll either do without. We won't press him on it because we figure we deserve to not get it. We're condemned. Or we have a plan B. An Ishmael in the pocket. You know what I mean by that. We just, we have a way out. If you don't want to do it, God, I will do it. With or without you, I'm going to get this done. And God does, you know, that's Cousin Lenny stuff. That's just like, <laughs> he doesn't engage in that. He, that's not him. But when you come to him, honestly, and emptied out and say, your word says, your promises say, and it says you won't lie, I trust you. And Lord, if, if you can't make your word happen, I am adrift. We're going to go under. We're going to, it's, it's not going to happen by human natural. I have no plan, Lord, except for you to keep your word. Now, I'm telling you, that's what happens when people have financial breakthrough. That has happened. And I'm, let me tell you, we came from farming. We came from where everything you got, you had to go do. And we got to the end of our rope one day, one year, one decade. You know, we we weren't that good at it. Just wasn't that good at it, I guess. 
And we just said, okay, God, it's going to be your way or we're going to have to, we have no, we have no plan B. We, I, the truth is we'd already worked out all our plan Bs. We had a few and we worked them all out until there was no more. Borrowed all we could and, you know, just the end of it. And finally just said, okay, the promises. And I gave you our testimony, one of them last week, about um, the tithing one. And so you have to be honest and have no Ishmael in your back pocket. You go, well, God, God, God doesn't care. Yeah, he does, because the whole thing's based on trust. Number two is I know that uh, not only do all men want God to supply their needs, they want God to supply it on their terms, on their terms. They want the supply to come early. Could I have a better amen? If God, I'm depending on you to fund this, and it's got to be done by Thursday, but Thursday's not acceptable. I need to know you're in by Monday. I need funding by Monday just to know that I won't be scrambling on Thursday. Can y'all hear the unbelief in that or the Ishmael, the kind of, I need it my way, Lord, to make me feel good. Another thing that we all like to have is a pad. That's what we call it at our house, a pad, is when you have fluff at home. You've got a little, you've got a little bag at home that's got $500 in it, or you have a little savings account, or in your billfold, I've got a little place where I've got a $50 bill so that if I just run into a situation, I've got a little pad, just something to bail me out. <laughs> and uh, we also like... Uh, we, we would prefer to have miracles that are so supernatural that no man was involved. In other words, we don't want, some, we don't want this thing in our minds saying, was that God or is that somebody? Was that Uncle Jack or was that God? Matter of fact, I have a testimony here. This would, might be a good place to read it. Not a testimony, a joke. An elderly lady was well known for her faith and her boldness in talking about it. She would stand on her front porch and shout, praise the Lord. I've told this to you before. Next door to her lived an atheist who would get so angry at her proclamations, he would shout, there ain't no Lord. Hard times set in on the little elderly lady, and she prayed to God to send her some assistance. She stood on her porch and shouted, praise the Lord. God, I need food. I'm having a hard time. Please, God, send me some groceries. The next morning, the lady went out on her porch and noted a large bag of groceries and shouted, Praise the Lord! And the neighbor jumped out from behind a bush and said, Aha! I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries. God didn't. The lady started jumping up and down and clapping her hands saying, Praise the Lord! He not only sent me groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. Praise the <laughs> Lord! <laughs> but we have a thing that says we want a so supernatural thing that no man's involved, that we could absolutely testify and, and anybody that was listening would say, well, that was God, instead of saying, you know, my, my dad came by and just out of the blue gave me $1,000 and, and that solved it. And, and that was God, because my dad never does that. We like something that just says there was a rock and God led me under this rock in the front yard and there was $1,000 in cash there. That's how we want it. But you know God uses people. It's still God. It still came from heaven. It was still his supply. But we prefer the spectacular. And then lastly, I found that people want uh, supply on their terms. They want part of the glory. 
They want to say, well, you know, I have been extra good. And, you know, I have been given more. And, you know, it's all him. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus. That is our, he's the cornerstone. He's the, he's the beginning and the ending of our faith. And he's, he's totally responsible for every good thing that happens in our life. And thirdly, I noticed that supply is easy. Getting God to supply is easy, but it takes everything. And I want, I want you to hear this. We've got to be honest. There's a lot of things going on between our ears when we deal with God because we think he can't hear what we're thinking. But I suspect, from my experience, that he pretty much knows what's going on, even if you're not saying anything or writing it down. I think he's tuned in. And I think when, uh, uh, when we get honest and tell him right where we are, like that man that said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He was honest. He said, you know, I'm not there, Lord, but I'm going to give you everything I got. Instead of saying, I don't want to be honest about this. I'm just going to see what God will do. He doesn't do so good on that, that try God business. Uh, no cons. God doesn't supply good on the con. Um, uh, not so much on, uh, a, the fear thing, I'm afraid, or, uh, religious things. Uh, I heard some junk yesterday about how God operates, and it's like, no. Uh, somebody told me, he said, well, when you're good, he rewards you with righteousness. I said, no, he doesn't reward us with righteousness. He made us righteous. He became sin. He didn't have sin put on him. He became sin, and we became righteous. So there's not a reward. So you get this mumbo-jumbo. We've got to be honest and say, God, I need this, and I'm telling you up front. I'm the righteousness of God, and your promise said you supply all my need, and I'm holding you to it. Politely, respectfully, but we say, your word said it, and you said you couldn't lie. Turn with me to, second, uh, excuse me, to Malachi. We're almost through. This is going to help you down the road. I promise. This is going to help us. This will help you be bold. This will help you be uh, where you'll stand, where you just won't say whatever, but you'll hold on. You'll hang in there for the promises. What does it say in chapter 4? Chapter 3, verse uh, 10? Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Is that what your Bible says? Okay, this is covenant talk, isn't it? This is covenant talk. Now, an absolute God deals with covenants. He doesn't do IOUs. He doesn't do little uh, uh, sweetheart notes under the pillow. He brings out a covenant. And the Bible says, because he can swear not by no one higher or better, he swears by himself and says, I will keep this. And he writes it down and said, read it. Read it in the morning, read it at the night, read it any time. I'll stand by. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed. That's covenant talk. That's what God said he will do if you will what? Tithe. Why does money move God? Because this money 
is lordship money. If anybody gives God 10% of everything in their increase, not tipping God, well, you know, this seems to be a good week. Well, let's tithe this week. I'm not talking about that. That's not lordship. Because next week, he may not be Lord. So if, we, if, we, if he can only operate when he's Lord and you're back and forth, he can't, he can't supply. No open windows. Are we here? Amen. So it's lordship. When a person brings a tithe, it's lordship. Now, this isn't just, this is, this is uh, cultural. This is how Abraham, remember back there when he, when he was in his deal? And the Bible says he gave a tithe to Melchizedek. This is, this is a kingdom law. When you tithe to a greater, the greater blesses the lesser. It's kind of like insurance in a way. You pay a premium, and no matter what happens, they'll cover you. Never thought of that, but it's kind of like that in a sense. And you go, well, God's not like insurance. Well, everything that's God, everything that's in the earth was a part of what God started. Insurance came from him in that sense. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Now I want to tell you all something that's just a little bit brazen here. Just a little bit edgy. I see everybody cinching up here. How dare a tither hesitate when they need a supply from heaven? That's my statement. How dare us not believe the God of all creation who has told us the tither is absolutely safe to doubt that. We are invincible. We are fearless. We are without equal. The tither is at the top. And I tell you, it's not Old Testament because here in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, we're teaching a little bit this morning, but this is so important. It says, uh, read it with me. Ready, read. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So it's covenant. He enforced the covenant. He stamped the thing. We won't go there this morning, but in Hebrews 7, uh, it talks about uh, the tither. It says... Uh, uh, Men on earth collect tithes, but the Bible says, but it says, uh, but there he receiveth them. So, yeah, you'll see uh, somebody pick up the bucket and take it back there into the office. And then Monday, you know, regions will get a deposit from us and then we'll pay Alabama power. And then you go, that's all. That's not spiritual. That's not God's provision. It takes faith. To believe that through all this mechanical and earthly and man-instituted stuff, that God received it. But he absolutely did, and that is the faith part. Now, if you could somehow come over here to the God chute and have a little vacuum on it, like at the car wash, and, and it went straight up to heaven, and then you heard a little cha-ching, and a receipt floated down and said, heaven has just receded you for your $100. We'd feel good about that, especially if it had a little gold dust on it and had a little blood of Jesus or had a little sliver off the cross or, or maybe, you know, a chip off the tomb or something, you know, some, we say, God did it. I, we're in, I know. But instead, we just write a check and put it in the bucket and it's done. That's good. 
I'm finishing with this. Psalm 37, 25. And this is the truth for me. I don't know what your experience is, so I'm, I'm inviting you to look out there. I have been young and now I'm old. Not that old, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. The word forsaken there means failed. I've not seen the righteous failed. The word there is relinquished. I've not seen the righteous relinquished. The word is refused. I've not seen the righteous refused, nor their seed, their children begging for bread. Now, I'm going to tell you this, my testimony. I've never seen a covenant tither. I'm not talking about the guy that's playing around, that's just, you know, fearful or, you know, under the law. I'm talking about a fearful tither, a covenant tither. I've never seen one fail. I've seen them go through some tight stuff, but the tither hangs on. The tither, the tither rides it out. The tither says, this too is just a part of life, and I, I'm in. And they always come out. I said, not sometimes, not a big part. They always come out. And if you're tither this morning, and I know everybody in this room is, you're coming out. Sometimes it's not pretty, because in the world you'll have tribulation. But I'm telling you, the covenant man, the covenant woman, has no alternative to, but to succeed, to win, to get to the top. But you got to believe the promise. You can't hesitate when something comes in. You go, oh, what are we going to do? It's just like my uncle said, no step for a stepper. I'm a tither. I'm already in. I'm already hooked up. I'm in covenant. I'm not going to have to go to God and say, ah. You can go to God in those things if you're not a tither and say, God, I need grace. I need mercy. And you can get out that way. But the tither doesn't even have to have that. Cha-ching. It's a done deal. We don't have time this morning, but I here's some scriptures. And you ought, to, you ought to go over them and say, that's the promise that God made to me personally. You just look at yourself. Hey, Michael Billings, God said to you that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for you. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs upon the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon you. You, you just got to talk to yourself and say, he just said that in my ear. It was my voice on his ink, but he just said that in my ear, and I believe. Amen. Amen. There's never been anybody more powerful than someone that believed the promises. All right. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I tell you, you can win this week with that. You can win this week with that. You can cast out devils. You can speak to the spoiler. You can talk to your body. You can win with the Word of God in your heart. Anybody need prayer this morning? Anybody need a boost up and an agreement? Miss Kathleen, for you and Lawrence, we're having an unusual season, aren't we? But it was coming. It's just early. So uh, how about we just take hold together for all of us? And just say, I'm, I'm, I've been elevated above this. It, it may be out there, and my, I may have a propensity, a DNA, or an inherit. but this year I'm going to live above that and immunize ourselves. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed, and that means made whole, preserved, 
In Jesus' name, we defy the, the natural laws of nature that says pollen makes people have symptoms and suffer and causes infection and uh, congestion and sinus things. We, we understand that, Lord, but right now we defy that and appeal to a higher law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And in Jesus' name, we put on health and ask right now for each one of us to be immunized against allergy problems in 2017. In Jesus' name, we declare and whatever we bind on earth is bound in the heavenly. So we bind allergies from our bodies and our families and say it will not affect us this year. We decree and declare a thing, and it is established unto us. We loose good breathing this spring. We loose that into our lives that we, our nasal passages, our bronchial tubes, our lungs are clear and free and open all season long. We have no constriction, no restriction in our breathing apparatus in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask you to immunize us against infection concerning breathing in this year. Now we receive it, we call it done, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we pray for Lawrence and Kathleen specifically. Anybody else right now that we can just say to you? Miss Annette, okay. So we call every person in here that's already been afflicted up to this moment. We release you from these lying symptoms and say, Go, in Jesus' name, go, restriction, congestion, infection, go, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we believe we receive when we pray, and we're having a happy day. We don't want to waste this day. This is a good day. Praise God. I bless you now in the name of Jesus. I bless you because God has blessed you, and we receive the benefits of his promises today in Jesus' name. Amen.